3: howdy folks happy wednesday happy hump day we are nine days away from the nhl trade deadline and nothing has happened yet and i don't know whether that's for any reason but we'll see but we'll discuss that in a few minutes that will be joining us and but we start as always with the pre-show go ahead russ
1: yeah so i want to bring up something that i think covers a few different sports for an argument um I wrote about this for full press today for baseball you can go full press mlb uh so everybody's kind of wondering on like twitter where's madison Bumgarner? and the interesting thing is he's only 34. and i hear this all the time well russ why are you saying you shouldn't sign a player to a four or five year contract he's 29 or he's 30. well mm-hmm. i'm learning and i hope everybody else is starting to learn that in all pro sports it's different than it was in the old days. They're higher impact. They're harder to stay healthy in And 29. Now I think is like 33 then back when I was growing up. And so as an example, Madison Bumgarner at 34, nobody really wants him, but he's been bad for three to four years. And Arizona signed him to a mega contract. He was getting over 23 million a year for the last three years of his deal with them. Yeah. and got virtually nothing they got a 15 and 30 record so i think it's a cautionary tale like when we talk about defensemen russ what are you talking about this guy's 29 you could sign him to a five year deal what do you mean and i'm like be careful about that
3: well and and, and kev there there doesn't seem to be any patience any at, at, at all, any longer in all these sports, with when, when it comes to the aging guy, like, yeah, I remember like Jamie Moyer, who pitched into his late 40s and he was a junk ball lefty, but he was still effective into his 40s. And you know, Baumgartner has that record of you know pitching really well in the playoffs, he hasn't pitched well lately. I'm surprised somebody doesn't give him a shot at a one year, one million dollar contract unless he won't take that. I'm not sure what the dynamic there is but it doesn't seem to there doesn't seem to be that willingness in most sports to give that veteran guy a shot.
4: Well, I think it's selective. I mean, you know, there's you know a guy like Carlos Santana like teams trip all over themselves to keep him in the league and he'll be 38 years old this year and you know we have in the NHL um you know Sidney uh, Crosby having one of his best seasons um an right. older player as well so I'm not sure that it's you know there's I'm I'm not sure I buy that you know 29 is the same as 34 I right? mm-hmm. but I do think because of the contracts as Russ pointed out um they're being a lot more careful now about what they're what they're going to do on that but I you know I I think they're going to take it by a kind of a case by case uh situation uh you know sort of analyze where the guy's at and you know in detroit uh, the team that i cover the red wings um the gm just doesn't like to give out a term and uh he begrudgingly gave it to uh, to uh, larkin um but um dylan larkin but uh everybody else has pretty much been you know four-year deals and uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what he does with Moritz Cider and lucas raymond this summer
3: yeah, but he'll probably be more willing to with those guys since they're in their early twenties and yeah. get them for their entire prime. I'll just just going back to the, the pitching thing and then we'll start the show. And I'll continue to say this until either he gets signed or he's or it's proven that he's completely blackballed. Um Trevor Bauer was cleared. Trevor Bauer, now you know there's a lot of baggage there. There's a lot of you know stuff there, but you know, we've had players in major league baseball who abused their wives and they got jobs in the, in major league baseball this guy was cleared of any wrongdoing it was and and i'm surprised this is a cy young award winning pitcher i'm surprised nobody has given him a one year deal and said okay we'll see there you know it's like you know peter is it is it like the the that these teams are so afraid of the backlash of a player that has some sort of Issue, even if he's cleared, they're they're they don't want to touch it, it's radioactive.
0: I think there's a, a pulse that's coming through with society right now that just says we need to treat people for the th- crimes they need to have the stigma of the crimes they're at, or they've been accused of or been associated with as part of everything, and because you're a a sports superstar, uh, a per, you know, notable, you don't get a pass anymore like you have in the past. I don't know if it's right or wrong, because as you just said, even if you've been cleared, the stigma still sticks with you, right? Sure. And should that happen, does everyone deserve a second chance? Yeah, I think people do, depending on what you're you're getting the second chance from. But it, it's a tough one. Society is kind of changing in a certain way, and, and, and we have to adapt in some way to
1: that. Yeah, well, I, I mean, and then if you couple that with the, there's some guy out there for Barstool, Marty Mush, who got multiple hits off Trevor Bauer in a pitching session recently, that doesn't bode well for Trevor Bauer's future.
3: No, I mean, I watched the video. He struck the guy out too, Russ. So it's like, I mean. Yeah, but
1: if you get a guy off the street that can get hits off him, why am I giving him a lot of money? The guy, yeah.
4: looked, like, the guy looked like Luke Voigt. So
3: he didn't. I and maybe he made him. All right
4: i think it's more of what peter's talking about i think even in the last year there's been a change in how we view these situations like you you answered your own question when you said you know teams are just uh you know view this person as radioactive and you know plus he he kind of opens his mouth a little bit too and doesn't yeah, he does. talking no, about it. he's and got that, a reputation and that, because, right and that, might, and that might be the problem kev because right.
3: you know the example and I'll, like i said after this we'll start uh, Matt Ariza, the kid that the the Bills uh, drafted in the fifth round, he was accused of something. He was completely cleared. The Bills cut him because at that point, you know, it was it was da- sort of damage control. And then what happened? He was cleared, and the Kansas City Chiefs just signed him. And he was completely cleared. He was not charged. I hope he has a good career. I wish the Bills would have would have signed him. Would have re-signed him because he's got a great leg. Now, if had he been had he been uh, uh you know, had there been charges and he'd been obviously he'd never play football. Anyway, let's let's start the show. Um hello hockey world. Today is Wednesday, February twenty eighth, twenty twenty-four.
2: I'm Eckman, sorry. <laughs> Sorry, just finishing up this talk with a talk. I'm just texting the source right now and be right yeah, there. Let's
1: go, let's go right to left. Go, I,
0: I, that's hey, I, I, I'm Pete Tessier in Balmy,
1: Winnipeg. Russ, Russ Cohen, NHLDriveBuzz.com.
4: <laughs> oh, Kevin Allen, and if we're going to talk about uh, weather, i got to bring up that it was 61 last night driving home from the game. And then I got hail you know, pelting my car. And today there's snow flurries outside my window. Yeah, so, it's, it's a crazy world.
3: It's it's absolutely bizarre. And this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. While Eck is talking to a source, I do want to touch him since we have Peter here. um, Yesterday, Gary Bettman and Bill Daly were in Winnipeg. And Peter, the the gist I got, I, I I okay, I understand why they went there. But it was like they went to Winnipeg and they said, hey, everything's fine. This is a great franchise. Okay, then why are you there?
0: It was all it was a regularly scheduled visit. This was, oh, this man. was in the works. It was part of his regular tour that he did. And I think, wasn't.
1: it? He, I don't know because no, it was, it, it was even I, with I, the panels, even with the yeah. panels it was
0: well, because of the interview uh, with Chris Johnson and the athletic, it became more than it was. And yeah. it sort of came in, you know, he's just doing his regular thing, him and Bill, and they were, you know, flew on the jet. I don't know probably flew home last night as they tend to do and watched a game met with some people met with some sponsors met with uh some business community privately and then did that session that you saw russ on, on that yeah i watched hit. it i
1: have a few takeaways so my first yeah I, is I, go ahead when they, when they sort of blame the franchise hey maybe you should have kept four or five thousand seats aside for corporate sales at the very beginning but hey that was in, in the past okay But then somebody did try to ask the question about them only only having about 15% corporate support, and they sidestepped that. And then basically in the end, the overriding thing was, hey, just come out and see them. It's not that simple. Like They did talk about the in-game experience a little bit, but not to the degree that Pete has. And I think Pete has a better handle on it than really what Gary Bettman found out about yesterday.
0: If Gary Bettman is worrying about in-game experiences and stuff for 32 franchises, then he's got way too much time on his No, he's not. Right? Right. Like, but you know, he's talking about it. I think, you know, he made the point that we always knew that with this building and this market, that it needed to have a guaranteed 13, five in the building each, each game to work long-term. And I think that's the part that's gotten lost in a lot of this is long-term. Um, you know, I wrote a long series of tweets. I think it was 25 on Saturday because there's a lot of noise coming out about that article and stuff. And, and some local media had written about it too. I think we have to remember some cyclical things around markets. And I didn't even get into this because I had 25 tweets in a series. You're sort of, you're really pushing the boundaries. But people forget there were only two franchises in Canada in the nineties who were safe at one point guaranteed to be safe and you don't need to guess who they were, right? A large national, like, like the Walgreens of Canada called shoppers drug mark had, they bought (laughs) bulk tickets in every market other than Toronto and Montreal. And they would use that as a discount promo to come in and help buy tickets to boost the season tickets and stuff. That was when the Canadian dollar was really terrible. Um, but it happens. The stakes are just bigger right now because there's just that much more money there. People are way more aware of things. And Winnipeg has, unfortunately, a very frail psyche about its civic image and the pride in it. And if you really want to take, like, there's a lot of reasons to be critical of True North. There's a lot of reasons to be critical of Mark Shipman and his approach to things. I think the biggest thing that uh, that really surprises me is as a guy who built, you know, built his family wealth in the auto industry, which had a fundamental shift about 25 30 years ago from just selling cars to long-term service relationships. He should have understood that's the nature of sports and sports fans are even more fickle than people who buy cars. Right, And he should have known that and he should have built some of that knowledge and the way they collected data on people, the way they looked at things into the management and the relationship building within Winnipeg. And we probably wouldn't see things as dire, well, and I guess they're not that dire, but as significant a drop as we saw. And and that's really what it is. In the end, if Gary Bettman was going to sound the alarm, I don't think he's afraid to do it. Right. I think, Kevin, you would agree with that. If Gary sees a problem, he would probably yes. call it out.
4: Yeah, I, I think a lot of this um, is related to the idea that um, it speaks to what hockey's problem is, which is that it remains a gate-revenue-driven league. Yes. And yeah. so as much as we say, you know, when people are saying it's better for the league when Toronto and Montreal... And the New York Rangers and the Detroit Red Wings are all making the playoffs. What they're really talking about, even though the the dollar signs never come out, is the money that is generated by the playoffs. In those major cities, you can uh charge uh Boku dollars uh uh for playoff tickets, and that you know keeps the revenue high. And of course, the players get a 50% split of all that. Well, in the same token. You got to make sure that your lower revenue teams, the gate teams, and Winnipeg being among them, you got to make sure they're perfect um, because you Mm -hmm. can't have any slip ups there and losing any money on the bottom end because you don't really know, especially in a 32 team league with only 16 make it, whether your big heavyweights are going to make the playoffs. You know, we're going to have the Montreal Canadiens, they're not going to be in again. So, you know, that's important. So that's why I think. You know, when something like this happens in Winnipeg, um, you know, it gets written about just because um, the league office is sort of where and, you know, are are you only as strong as your weakest links? Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily true, but I think you do have to concern yourself that everything is going absolutely perfectly in those environments.
3: Well, one thing about the in-game experience, it was announced yesterday that the the Sabres uh, are putting a new scoreboard in at the Key Bank Center and a new roof. And I can tell you that the fans here don't give a damn about the new scoreboard. They care about the fact that the team hasn't made the playoffs in 13 years. Don't get me wrong. They, they'll like the new scoreboard, but they want playoff hockey, and they're not getting it yeah uh, the other the other thing the other thing is kevin i, I, I wanted to ask you on this and maybe that's just my whole my conspiratorial mind here it's sort of like hey look over here folks about winnipeg and nobody's talking about arizona for the last week or so they're all talking about winnipeg being in trouble when arizona is a complete friggin' joke and they still they still haven't announced that plot of land that uh, they were supposedly supposed to buy
4: yeah well uh, you know that you know again. It's always about money, and I don't think you need to be a conspiratorial person to uh, realize that. And in in my estimation, this is all about the markets that people think you're going to ship Arizona to. They want for expansion and the, to you know the entry fees for that. But you know, just getting back to what you were saying about in game experiences, um, as usual, you're Mike. You're both right and wrong. Um, <laughs> certainly. Uh it's all about making playoffs. Like you know, no one's gonna argue that. But anyone that thinks that that the fan base doesn't care about what happens within a game, you know, you know, don't they don't realize the lesson of the Tampa Bay Lightning, who was among the first to put that in-game experience. And now when people say, you know, just going to a Tampa Bay game is like such a great experience. Now it helped that they had a great team too, yeah. but they also had a lot going on. And uh in Detroit. Um, they got rid of, they have, uh, this, uh, between periods, uh, uh, almost broadcast within the arena and they got rid of that. And there's been a complete backlash to that. Um, you know, people like that. And it's not, they said, well, we wanted to do more, uh, you know, in game. Um, but you know, the lesson they learned is you gotta do it all. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's gotta be all done when you're asking people to pay, and in Detroit, you know, the lower level tickets are highly expensive. Um, you know, you, you got to do it all. You got to have in game experience. You got to have a successful team. You got to, um, it's got to be convenient. You got to have wide concourses. It's, you know, all of that. It's the only way you can, you know, people feel like you, you should get your money's worth for a couple hundred hours ticket.
3: Now, um, and I'm sure X is going to want to talk about uh, you know what the rumor rumors de jour, and we've got nine days until the deadline. Um, but I wanted to start off here because Russ and I were talking about this.
2: I throw something in about Winnipeg for a second, though. Yeah, um, go, go ahead. Yeah, um, if you remember right, when this when the whole when the whole Winnipeg team was bought from Atlanta years ago, there was always this feeling of like, okay, they're they're going to Winnipeg. It felt like a strange place for them, for this ownership group to go to. Remember they were from Toronto, correct? They were a Toronto area group, I believe.
0: Well, the, the David Thompson, the real yeah. estate partner of Mark Chapman right. is, is Thompson Corp, which is, he's right. like the 20th richest man in the world.
2: Right, right. And he, but he's not necessarily a Winnipeg guy, right? He's from-
0: No, but he does spend a fair bit
2: of time here. I'm sure he does now with the team there, Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. but, um, but you know, but uh, there was always a fear that, that the Winnipeg was a temporary thing at the time. Um, do you remember this Kevin at all? I remember there was. No, a thing not, on- not,
4: not, at, not at all. I, okay. I, I, well, I,
2: I know what you're talking about,
0: Eck. It was, oh, well, they just hold the franchise, flip it, make a quick bit of money. Yeah. And then we'll find a real home for it. You no, know, that was definitely some speculation there.
4: Yeah, oh that that is true but I I don't think they that the league saw him as a placeholder.
2: No, but the league always has a rule that you can't you can't sell or move a team for a certain amount of time after Right, right,
4: you right. But right. I think what the what Winnipeg's advantage was back then if you remember what was going on was they couldn't get anybody in Atlanta to buy the team. Yeah. I mean, like no one. And the uh ownership there had really abdicated responsibility. They tried essentially to Turn the keys over to the league, yeah. and Gary right. Bettman. You know that's not how it works, right? You to so say, you know, I'm not going to pay my mortgage anymore. You know, uh, right. so you're, you're financially responsible. So, you know, and we've talked about this before. How hard it is. Like you need time to uh, start a, a new team up. Like you need time to market, to hire, to do all that. So when when it was all falling apart, and they couldn't get anyone to buy it. They needed to go somewhere where they had a pretty good idea. They had everything in place. Right. But Winnipeg had everything in place, a little bit smaller arena yeah. than they wanted, but they had a team that was playing there. They had a tradition. They had uh, uh, people buying season tickets already. Yeah.
2: yeah. You know, it was really good PR at the time, yeah. too. Yeah. He-
4: it, it felt like, you know, this was the perfect place to go. And I think they understood at the time, you know, what the, uh, you know the issues would be as they moved forward but you know it, it's worked out really well I think yeah the circumstance remember the whole make
2: it seven thing that was going on yeah. the bus silly thing and all oh, that I mean
1: here's, yeah. here's the other thing I brought this up the other day <coughs> Winnipeg had the team in the WHA and then they didn't is this the same thing does the market eventually erode there
0: well, the, the, WHA just merged into the WH to the NHL, right? right. Four teams came in Edmonton, Hartford, Winnipeg yeah. and Win- Quebec. Right. Right. And so yep. and then there was disp- the disbursement drafts and all that stuff. So, I mean, it didn't erode it just, what happened? So the origins of the Jets problems didn't happen in 1995, 96, when they finally left, the origins happened in 1992 during the early nineties recession. And they had that old barn, um, and what happened was a construction company came to the ownership Barry Shankaro and said, "We will build you an arena because we need something to do. Like we, we we we'll do this and we'll give it to you like I mean dirt cheap like un, like I mean concepts we could never hear about, but that's thirty years ago, yeah. right? Yeah, right." He said no, didn't believe he needed it. That was their chance to modernize, right? right. At that point, the Canucks were engaged in a new arena. There were, right. there were some popping up. The, 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 they finally had, the ball had been moving about mid nineties for Toronto and all that stuff. That was the mistake. Cause they then could not do anything else to increase revenue in there. And Shankarogis had finally had enough and he, he sort of shot himself in the foot. He couldn't bring in other investors if he'd had a new arena, different events, all the other things. You got to remember, the MTS Center before the Jets arrived was in the top twenty venues in North America for revenue based on everything non-professional sports related. Wow! So there is a paying public and a demand for that place. They could have had it twenty
2: years. Yeah, have a, you have a desperate group of people up there in the freezing cold, Pete, trying to figure out yeah. what the hell to do with their time exactly
0: no you can't <laughs> ice fish every day
2: i mean they are good they are, you know they build, put something up it's like yeah we're gonna go we'll go yeah. we'll go sure you know something new for crying out loud yeah
0: dustin, dustin bufflin can pete well um, yeah he can exactly let's um let's move it's,
2: on some um, some rumors here because um yeah, we do have some things um the person i was at the, the source i was just talking to, i can't tell who it was but it was regarding um adam Henri- adam henrique which yeah. is one of the big rumors that's going on right now um i consider him one of the probably one of the bigger players his contract obviously is an issue the third team will probably have to get involved with this one um but um it looks like vegas is definitely jumping into that that pool um for adam and Rick. um and that's an interesting i mean obviously you know with stone going down and all that you know um but i also heard today that you know there's a chance that toronto jumps in based on the um based on some possible injuries that, that are going there haven't been that haven't been revealed yet or something like that or which is kind I mean, of fun I mean,
3: I mean okay if they're talking about tavares he you know he's he's fine he, he played yesterday um the only injury that has been a question mark has been timothy lillie and i mean he's making 1.4 million so I, I don't know i don't know what that what that is The and yeah. the, honestly the last thing they're trading for is a forward it's all right-hand shot defense.
2: Yeah, it no, would make sense. That's why I was curious if, I mean, if, if Tavares, if they know, if we know, they know something about Tavares that we don't like, if, if there's something like if Tavares needs that, yeah. like some kind of surgery that might end the season, then you, then that that might be where this is heading. You know, that's, right. the,
3: yeah, that's you know, 11 million off. That's 11 million right. off your
2: cap. But the, but, if, it got me into a discussion with the person I was just talking to, which I think is worth discussing here. And that is, you know, quite often we have these like, Quote, unquote superstars in the trade deadline you know um like patrick kane last year for example or you know and for every year there's somebody you know a, a dying contract um of a guy that's like a real star and we always talk about how the players that make the difference at the trade deadline are generally not those guys <laughs> they generally have they, they, those guys get traded for quite a bit of money usually but they end up you know playing playing one round or two rounds and being dumped out where you know the adam henriques of the world you know they are bad they're difference makers in the playoffs you know they're this is the kind of guy that matters in the playoff series well Um, a lot more and and you know we don't have the top stars but we do have a couple of these guys like and you know they he was saying the same thing about tana times is the same kind of thing it's it's this two-way defenseman this is the kind of guy you want to get in in the playoffs but usually there's bigger star power
3: well, look, Kev, the, 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 the biggest guy last year acquired at the deadline that ended up being a key player for the team that eventually won it was Ivan Barbashev with, with Vegas yeah so that. But you know, I, I was joking with, with Russ on the show on Monday, the Patrick Kane that's playing in Detroit right now is not the Patrick Kane that the Rangers traded for had the Rangers traded for this guy. They would have probably beaten the Devils, and they probably would have made a, a nice deep run in the playoffs. But he was not that guy last year.
4: No, he was playing on one leg. Yeah, for yeah, sure. he
2: was playing on one leg. Um, what do you thought? What are your thoughts on Henry, Kevin?
4: Yeah, I mean, I've heard uh, just as you had that the you know, people are, you know, his contract is just at that point um, where it's problematic. The five yeah. was well, five eights, right? Yeah. So you know, if even if Anaheim. Uh, retained half still two nine and so many teams are kind of capped out yeah. uh, so that's why it might take a you know a third party to get in there but I, I I would agree with the that he has a chance of being it but you know remember he's had some off seasons too yeah um, but he's played well this season so maybe, well this
2: season um and he and he has played well in the playoffs when he's been in the playoffs right that's the thing like he's, he's showing right. you know and it, but only I mean we can remember that that devil's run that they had yeah where he was really good. Um, yeah. Very interesting. Lou Lamarella being interviewed on XM said something that, you know, he always thought was true at Lou, but i never heard him admit it. I don't know if you guys heard this interview at all, but I never heard him admit it openly. He mm. said, um, he said, I really like at the trade deadline. What do you like to look for? Well, I like to look for players quite often that I've had before. Um, whether, you know, whether it's a New Jersey or whether, wherever it is, because those players are much easier adjustment. And, uh, and I thought to myself that that's a weird thing to say. I, I get it. Sure. It is, but it is it I mean, you're not the coach of the team. You know, you're like. You're the GM of the team. Um, should how much of a factor should that play into into what you're doing? Um, like Henrique is a, a you know with the Islanders with the, with the Islanders being on on Adam Henrique it would be doubtful. You would think because they're not really necessarily in the playoffs, but Adam Henrique goes. It's not just a playoff pickup. You know? So yeah, it really it really felt like he you know he was talking about Henrique. What do you think?
4: Well, I, I think they would want to be in on him because yeah. you know they're twenty. 20- what, 23rd in scoring, and they right. still, you know, I'm, I'm bad lose feeling a little bit of pressure to make the playoffs here for, yeah. you know, self-imposed and through ownership. Yeah, um, for sure. So I, I I, could see them being in on, on that. Yeah. I mean, they have the same problem that they've had the last couple of three years, which is they don't, you know, they're, you know, they, I don't even think they're at three goals per game this year. So right. No, they're
3: right. not. They're under this isn't exactly breaking news but uh it, it sort of uh get um locks into place something i think we've known for a couple of weeks uh la friedman reporting that the the wild are basically indicating they're not trading mark andre Fleury because yeah. they're still in the race and yeah. you know garen came out like a couple months ago and said you know if we're still in the race we're not trading players so but he
1: also said apparently he also came out and said he wants to kind of ride it out so
2: Right. Remember this memory remember are in it. We are in a copycat league. We always have been, we are in what you've done lately league. And it's no small coincidence that, the, that this, that, that these, all these bubble teams are, are talking like that. Um, when you consider where the Florida, you know, that a team from like the Florida Panthers last year finishes in eighth and goes to Stanley cup finals, you know, that is something that people pay attention to. They're like, okay, well, you know, we, they always say, we just got to get in but when, when, when it actually is proven that you just got to get in. Um, but that happens,
3: that happens like once a decade. Yeah, I mean. but it doesn't
2: matter to these people. No,
3: no, I, I know you I'm have
2: saying I'm not talking against them. I'm just like, that is the mentality around around owners and things like that. Like, you know, sure. they're like, okay, well, you know, we just got to get in. So Minnesota, think they could, They very much feel like they're in.
3: I know you have to sell hope. And yeah. if you think, remember back to that, was it 2012 LA Kings team that snuck in at the end of the year, was one versus eight, and then they went all the way and won the cup. I mean, okay, it's possible. Florida. Peter, I still
2: have on my wall written. Hope is not a plan from you. Hope from is not a plan. From a long time ago. It's right. There. Right. <laughs> in my office wall, I wrote hope is not a plan. Well, you know what? <laughs> I
0: heard a new term today, act that I'm totally oh going to, to, to take ownership of. And it's what, what a lot of GMs drink. Hopium.
4: Hopium. Nice. Yeah. Well, I, it is a plan uh, for a lot of general managers because <laughs> how many times if you talk to a GM in training camp and he starts out the conversation is, you know, if we can get twenty five goals out of this guy, yeah, maybe right. fifteen out of that guy. And if we get a healthy so and so, I mean, they're all on that whole plan, you know, trying to coax more goals, um, or more games in that yeah. uh, or better health yeah. out of players. And you know, that that's a lot easier if you follow the whole plan than acquiring some Well,
3: kind of- You know what <laughs> yeah. in rush.
0: Russia- is. Kevin that's such an interesting point you are 100% right we hope this happens we hope that a smart gm or, or a smart communicator would say we expect 20 goals out of these four players name them and say this is why we expect this this is what we're going this is what we've done to empower them right to this is our investment mm-hmm. and it, 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 you know and then there's a different thing about well you're taking away hope and if it doesn't happen to, this is what we've done to do this. It's on them, right? right. And I think like, I, and, and let's go back to using LA. What kind of hope is that franchise and fan base dealing with with Pierre-Luc Dubois right now? Because <laughs> yeah. honestly, you know, you hope you can get 10 goals. I don't know what he has right now, but so you hope you, you hope he maybe gets 20. But really, they expected 70, 80 points out of them. And, and he's not even
3: going to sniff that he was expected to be like the, the heir apparent to Kopitar and he has just been an absolute dramatic bust. Um, it feels so much
2: like Ryan Johansson in so many ways, because it's like, to me, you know, both coming out of Columbus, both being such high prospects, both obviously having talent, both having, both throwing, showing, showing sparks, you know, uh, greatness, but then both inevitably just, not able to focus enough to keep their mentality up.
3: Yeah, but okay. And, you know, I'm, I'm prepared to cut Dubois a little bit of slack. I mean, but the thing is, obviously, like what happened in Columbus now what happened in Winnipeg and now he gets the money in LA and he's not and he's clearly not showing up to the up to the expectations that they had for him. I remember talking uh, in, in a press scrum with uh, with Don Granado earlier this year, and he was talking about Dylan Cousins and Owen Power and how they signed both signed big deals and they both were really struggling. And to the point that Cousins uh, was expressing a lot of frustration, he says, essentially, you know, I'm making big money now. They expect this out of me and I have to show up. Okay, well. These players, once they get the big money, there's pressure on them, and some of them rise to the occasion, and some of them shrink. And right now, Dubois, I mean, he's a big problem for the kid It's not as big a problem as the fact that they don't have a goaltender, and they st- and Rob Blake still hasn't traded for one, and that might solve some of their problems, but it's a big problem for them. But the issue I is, you know, where he wanted honestly- to get to.
2: I'm sorry, Russ, but he got to where he wanted to get to. Like he's a player who this is where he wanted to play, right? Was, okay, playing in Columbus. Ah, no, I don't want to play in Winnipeg. I don't want to play in Winnipeg, but I do – have always wanted to play for LA. Yeah. You, you, you know, that's that's good. Russ, I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt
1: you. No, it's okay. I, I think Dubois pushed himself in the corner. I think when you sign guys like Cousins, though, you are signing for future right. um, for future production. Right. So I think that you know, a lot of times those guys get over it. But I think with Rob Blake, yeah, I think he's in trouble. I think if they don't go two or three rounds in these playoffs, I think he's in trouble.
4: The uh, I wanted to make a point on uh, two things. One, on the uniqueness of Ryan Johansson. And then also in terms of um, uh, maybe we're seeing kind of a different rebuild uh, with Detroit. And with mm-hmm. Johansson, what I wanted to bring up is usually when you have a player like Johansson a guy that has never performed to the uh, level of expectation that he had in his draft he's unsympathetic
3: mm-hmm. but
4: Johansson yeah. is is sympathetic You're right he, he's so well liked he's a nice guy you ask anybody who's played with him; they just love this guy mm-hmm. like he's a nice guy and with him you hear you know it just turned out he wasn't quite as good as you know we all thought he was like they don't blame him, uh, right? What's better as a player, you know? That? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, they, like, he's so likable. I mean, that's what I'm told. I, I've been told that, and I've talked to him a few times. And he seems like a nice guy, but like, I know that the Predators really like him. Well, um, look at Matt to too. Another likable, thank you. That was, yeah. Yeah. Although, although, although he was not sympathetic, like, they, no, 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 no. they it they, they like when, you? The, when the Nashville stuff went on here with of them getting their uh, concert canceled, the YouTube and stuff, there was a thought was, you know, we thought all this was behind us when we got rid of Matthew Jane. And, now, you know, uh, and obviously it wasn't. You know right so.
3: remember, remember the talk was matt duchene went to nashville because you know he's a guitar player he
4: likes like, play right,
3: them, right all that stuff and then you know he goes to dallas he's second on the team in scoring and when they go to nashville after the game where is he he's at one of the bars playing with his playing tell, guitar yeah. so yeah, so, yeah.
4: You know, now he did the, the other thing i want to bring up because I, I think this is fascinating and it just occurred to me a couple of weeks ago we think of um, a rebuild as you go to the draft, you draft a bunch of people, you filter them in. It takes time, uh, mm-hmm. and then there's the other thing called a retool, where you just change everybody. But I use the term as rebuilding, but not in the strictest sense. Like you know, everybody's talking about. You know, last night Carberry said this Detroit team right now is as good as any team in the league. Like I mean, they're, they they got it all going on. You know, they've They've scored five or more goals in a third of their games. Think about that.
2: Yeah, yeah.
4: Five or more in a third of their games. They can they cycle the puck. They move it. You know, they control the puck. Um, you know, they're fourth in the league in scoring. They got a goaltender. Lions doing it all. Well, you know, people are talking about, well, finally, you know, it's taken Steve a long time, Iserman. Yeah, but, you know, he's only got two draft picks yes. on the team yeah two of his guys yeah he, you know he does has Lucas Raymond and cider now those are good players yeah but the rebuild in Detroit that's arrived is a bunch of veteran guys yeah. that he either signed or he traded for yeah oh so, yeah I, I mean this may be the most unique rebuild now he'll have more next year right but yeah. you know
2: this, well, and the hope is I mean that that you know hope again <laughs> the hope is that you know these guys um these veteran guys give they, they 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 instill these good habits into these young players, right? And that's what well, well
1: I mean, we're all well, young hoping, players aren't around. We're also yeah. hoping on Alex Lyon, though. like that's that's still a hope. I mean, he's a pretty good goalie, but Alex Lyon's still a hope at this point, right?
4: Wait, yeah, listen. for sure. He's, but
3: but what Iserman is what Iserman has done is put together an, an effective hodgepodge. Yeah, you know, he's he's yeah. got he's you know, he's got one very good player that he that he uh uh that he. Had when he came into the organization in Dylan Larkin, yeah. he has two premium draft picks in in Raymond and cider and the rest are free agents and trades and pickups off of waivers. It's they're, it's a different assemblage of talent than he had in Tampa Bay. The,
0: yeah. the look at the free agents too, because they're also people who have never really been able to find a long term home. Yeah. And
4: And, and he's not giving it to him because he's not giving it to him.
0: He's giving them success. Yeah. Right. And and I remember I can't remember who said it, but an observation I I heard a number of years ago, and it was the best fourth line players or depth role players are former top draft picks who never worked out. Right. Mm right. And yeah. and look at what's on that. Look now, maybe not draft picks, maybe they're free agents, maybe they're college entries. Look at what's on that team, right? Yeah, and it's like, hmm.
4: Well, look, the fourth line. Maybe is, they all
0: work out when you build out the right ecosystem for them.
4: Well, the the fourth line of Detroit, right in the last game, includes Sprong and Fabre, who have a combined thirty goals. Like, <laughs> like how many? Yeah. Yeah right. How many fourth line players do you have? Well, those are right? two
2: players again who didn't who who were who didn't find happiness in other places, but everybody thought were going to be really good. Both of right. them were very very. Well, I think it was, it was because
1: because of injury. Fabry yeah, was it's, also it's an injury, but yeah, I think
4: that's it's, right. It's, Fabry was in but you know the you know again I, to speak the uniqueness of a player, and there aren't many players like this. But Sprong, of course, we all know last year right. in terms yeah. of of. Uh, Points per minute played, I think led the league because he played less than eleven minutes. Well, he's not playing any more minutes than that in Detroit either. But one difference is how many fourth liners? Because Fabre and Sprong both get power play time. Right. You know, and usually you don't, but you know
1: has always had this great shot, and we all saw it when he was drafted, but the other parts of his game
4: never came around. They no, don't exist. <laughs> and That's I want to give Detroit credit go right.
1: because Detroit got not only strong play in that way, but Rasmussen too, because Rasmussen was just an offensive player and really nothing else when they drafted him. And at, at one point, you were wondering if he was going to work out, and they've extended yeah. him.
4: Yeah, no, they, they did extend him. And now, you know, Jeff Blash will ask him to be uh, Jordan Stahl. And at the time, Mark Stahl was in Detroit. And there was a lot of discussion about whether he could be that but he is that um yeah. you know, he's a guy that can check he's a guy that you know can get 15 plus goals and mm-hmm. you know they've moved him up recently uh within the last three or four games to um uh play in the top six you know he had been playing as a third liner um but you know they're doing all that but you know it's the same thing like i don't think any less in fact I think it's more impressive that Isman has built this team on a bunch of guys that he's picked up, and, and it's and it's hard to play here. Like uh, Justin Hall, um, he had probably his best two weeks as a Red Wing, and then somebody came back from injury, um, and he was out again. Like he's out, and like Lalana is almost apologetic. He said, "You know, he's you know, but you know, I got no room in the end because uh, right. I got, got six, but." Gossenspier said last night. I thought it was interesting too. He was just talking about depth and what does that mean? He goes, "Well, what it means is we have 15 players." He says, "Because I counted them, 15 players on his team that can play on the power play." Right. So,
2: wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's impressive. Awesome. I mean,
4: yeah.
2: I want to talk about um another couple guys that are, that we haven't talked too much about in the trade, and you know that are there. I've been chasing around a little bit. One being Anthony Duclair. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an interesting Interesting. An interesting pickup because i mean remember last year anthony declare was hurt in the playoffs um for florida had to start off really strong for the panthers then gets hurt returns and never really going to back to the mode but he had, he had a really strong year for the panthers in general last year
1: right
2: and you know looked like for all intents and purposes that he was going to stay there and then they just let him they let him go they let him walk right so um now he's you know he's going to be sort of in no man's land but and he's going to get moved um it yeah. was a one-year deal um, the teams I have on the on the chart right now for them, I have the Rangers at thirty percent, the Panthers at thirty percent, maybe bringing him back in, LA at twenty, Vancouver at ten, and Minnesota at ten. Um,
3: I mean, every, everything I've heard from like all the you know the the people reporting on on mm-hmm. on Duclair, connect him back to Florida. And it makes it makes a ton of sense for for one simple reason. If you look at Florida right now, and they're they're an extremely solid team. They beat Buffalo last night. They they're getting great goaltending. Their defense is is you know with with Ekblad and Montour back, their defense is six deep in terms of yeah. quality. They only have four offensive players after Verhage, uh, Reinhardt, Barkov, and uh, and Kachuk. It drops off the planet. They need another scoring winger pro i would say you know guys like lundell and bennett and and, and you know they're, they're,
2: they're picking it up though those two guys right, but,
3: but they they yeah. need another scoring w- and Duclair's is not making a ton i think he's making three something like three 3.1 or 3.2 so if san jose retains 50 percent, that's a deal the problem with this is zito's got nothing to trade He's got no draft picks. He's got, you know, very few prospects. So I, I that's how, that's the only thing with Florida. I think they want to add, but I don't know if they can add. Yeah, they're know. Do. You know, it's
1: funny
2: about the creative. he has found ways before to do
1: things. Sure, sure. I don't know. I think he's got a few prospects he could trade, but he's like an enigma du player. Like he last he year was his best playoffs. Before then, he really wasn't good in the playoffs, and I don't know. And he's having a marginal year. Like he for the. For the talent base that he has,
3: mm-hmm. you, would ex-
1: you would always expect more from him. Always,
2: he's the kind of guy that looks amazing at times. Like we've talked about, it. like I, when I I a couple of years ago in my thirty wacky predictions, said he was going to have a forty goal season. Like, and it was best based off of like a cup. This is many. This is like three or four years ago, but based off of watching his the goals that he did score were incredible goals. You know, they were just they were. He would just have this ability. He was obviously full of talent and full of speed, and could do a bunch of things. But then you know he just disappears for long stretches of time. Yeah, he's got,
3: he's got 11 goals in 52 games right now, but that's second on the San Jose Sharks. So you have to say, you know, he's on a team that is terrible.
2: Another and guy I really want to get Kevin's opinion on is um, is Matthew Dumba, um, mm-hmm. who, who's out there. And uh, I've heard a lot of people interested in him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he is another year on his game. Oh no, no, no. He's a friend. I'm sorry, I'm thinking of somebody else. Yeah. sorry, I'm somebody else. Um, so Matt Dumba I have right now with Colorado, Toronto, New Jersey. Florida, Philly, um, as the teams that I've heard connected. Many, many thoughts. That, anything you've heard on Matt Dumba,
4: Kevin? Yeah, I mean, I heard that there's interest in him, and uh, I know Jeff Merrick. I was on Jeff's uh, show, and I, yeah. well, he has actually linked him possibly to Detroit. Okay, um, so I, I don't. I mean, I know the the Red Wings are interested in another defenseman, even though they got seven. Yeah, but, um, Friedman reported, and I thought this was interesting that they wanted. Uh, uh, or actually, I think it was Merrick. Merrick reported that he talked to a GM and says, you know, they're looking for a defenseman that's smelly, you know, <laughs> who, you know, is hard to play against, is a little rough. Because yeah. um, they don't really have that, um, yeah. you know, other than cider, but he's not smelly. He's great. Um, right. right. But, you know, so they're looking for just a guy. So, you know, and Dumba can play that style. If yeah. You need to. He can be very uh, hard to play against. So, Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, I I mean, I, I, I can see that. And, uh, you know, I, right now I think the rental players are far more intriguing than players with, uh, with term, but that's why, you know, I think declare, uh, just for the reason that, uh, Mike brought up about, they don't have a lot of assets that they want to move, uh, declare won't cost you much. No. Uh, No. So you can, you know, give away, uh, you know, a third round pick and, 2027
3: you know, you know yeah it, so well yeah. The, the thing i heard about dumba because he's among i think every every right-handed defenseman who's got a heartbeat uh, has been connected to toronto there have been some criticisms of his defensive metrics that they haven't been there very good in arizona but you know the the leafs do need that smelly type of right-handed you know sort of not dirty, but, you know, just physical and Dumba is that. Um, Dallas has been another team that's been connected to him. I, I've heard the star because the stars are looking for defensive help uh, past, you know, Lundell and, and heiskinen And I mean, he would be a pretty decent. And I think they're a little worried about the age on Ryan Suter. So um, that I, I think that makes a lot of sense. But I, I, I know that Toronto tried to sign Dumba in the summer. And they pivoted towards Klingberg because Dumbo wanted over 5 million on a deal. And now, and he ended up signing in Arizona for less than four. Yeah. Arizona retains on him. Then I think a team like Toronto and Detroit makes some sense as well. Although, you know, Kev, do they, do they really need another defenseman if they're not playing? I
4: I don't know. That's not, I think. My feeling is I know uh, what Friedman said uh, or about Jeff Merrick said about the, the guy that's smelling, but I think they'd be interested in a top four defenseman just because they really would like to get a guy. But I I think they would be more interested in the guy like Hannafin mm-hmm. um, or Tanov, uh or someone of that or, you know, right. someone right. of that ilk um, yeah. you know, who is really could be a, a big difference maker for them. And then, yeah. you know, they could perhaps trade Ali Mata. Back, I mean, they like they like Moda a lot. He's a very nice uh, sixth defenseman. But um yeah. you know, it's uh, if you could upgrade the defense, I think they would be more interested. But it'll it'll be interesting. I mean, you just never know what uh, yeah. Steve Eisenman is thinking. Uh, right. So. Right. right,
3: well Eck, I wanted to ask you this because yeah. you know you you have the your your finger on the pulse of what's going on. I mean, I mean we're nine days away from the deadline and you, in the last few years you started to see the deals break around now and then the deadline, deadline day was dead. And I mean everything that's being said out there is because they're you know they're trying to conserve that last little bit of cap space, the daily accrual. But I think things are sort of blocked here by Hanahan and more TANF. Yeah, uh, and once that work. once that gets moved then it it all breaks free is that what you? I think you...
2: I mean I think that that is playing into it Tanner is definitely a lot of teams that definitely are definitely interested in him for sure Hannafin I still think a lot of teams believe he's going to resign in Calgary at the end of the day um I talked to some people about that and even though Hannafin is you know he's out there for sure I think that the, the, there's a feeling that you know that they're going to get him signed um, I, the bigger, the bigger block block, block to me, honestly, is just the amount of teams that are still in the race. Like that, the fact that there's like, there's just a bunch of teams and that I think is, is, is the bigger thing that's affecting. It's why it's dragging on longer. Yeah, there's longer. too
1: many. There's too many. I mean,
4: teams.
1: So and to make a decision. I guess.
4: Yeah. And it's who they are too. Yeah. I mean, who they, they are. are like, right. the, like the penguins. Right. Like, I mean, like if they were the, you know, a different team, they might've already given up the ghost, I but. Think- because right. of the Penguins, they're hanging in there. And the New York Islanders are 10 behind Detroit. But, you know, Lamarillo, I think, is self-imposed pressure. And then the ownership pressure, I think he's going to um, be active, too, even if they're still 10 yeah. points out. But right.
3: Russ, Russ said it to me er- earlier today. They're not looking at it because we were going through the, the standings. They're not looking at Tampa, who's got 69 points, who's the second wild card. They're looking at Philadelphia, and they're all and there's four Metro Division teams: the Devils, the Capitals, the Penguins.
2: Yeah, and they're the all I'm in the
3: And they all have games in hand on on the, on the Flyers, and they see Drysdale getting hurt, and they see uh, Ristolainen on injured reserve, yeah, and they see them, and they see the possibility of them trading Walker and Sealer, and saying, "Okay, we got a chance here because this team might fold up." in the next week and a half
2: Flyers think-
4: put on waivers today too what's
2: yeah. that
3: got?
1: yeah i think they're bringing sandstrom up that's why they bring up. up, right yeah
4: yeah I, I i do think they are looking at tampa bay though like tampa okay. has has shown themselves to be vulnerable
1: well yeah, their defense their yeah. defense isn't good and i will tell you this there was a, an adjustment the flyers made in yesterday's game kev Peslefsky didn't look great at the beginning but there was a 1-1 game for a while yeah and then he looked shaky on a long shot, and the Flyers started shooting from long distance, and he had trouble. And, and they were going over his shoulder long distance, and that was the shakiest I'd seen Vasilevsky in a long time.
3: Well, I, I consider myself fairly knowledgeable of like, the depth of NHL organizations, and I have to say, after Hedman and after Purbix, I don't know who the hell these guys on the Tampa Bay Blue Line are. I don't know them, it's and that's
1: a good bad.
2: Line. It's not. Yeah. No, it's definitely, it's definitely hurting a lot. Um, it, it is interesting. Remember last year, there was um question whether Ottawa was going to make a move. We're going, we're going, we're going to be buyers or sellers in the trade line, and then they they blew two games like right before the deadline. They, oh, yeah. like, they got killed. By, I forget who it was. I think it was Detroit, right? No, it was the other way around. Detroit. Oh, it was the other way around, right? It was a Detroit it was in the race
4: late, and they lost back-to-back games, and then eisenman traded bertuzzi and
2: yeah right yeah right that's what it was i'm sorry people, yeah so. people were
4: crying it was quite yeah. a mess
2: so. i feel like that did we're we're at we're at that with a couple teams in the next week here like yeah. i feel like we're at that you know pittsburgh wins last night you know that's 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 that throws them you know if pittsburgh loses last night that could change the come they could beat the flyers in that game too but pittsburgh still thinks they have some hope going on too and they are absolutely a team that's built you know if they're, if they're sellers that's a major life decision for the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, that's like something we've never seen.
4: Well, two thousand and six was right. right, 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 right. So, by,
3: by the way, by the way, Kev, you you know, you wrote that piece about Bertuzzi for for Detroit Hockey Now, and the hottest player in the NHL since you wrote it is Tyler Bertuzzi. He scored yes. he scored six, I think five or six goals in the last four or five games. He's yeah. been. You
4: know, so no, he just, he's, that he's so popular in Detroit. I'll just write that he's now the hottest player, and you know.
2: Yeah, there you go. Right, you works. Yeah. I mean, the um the Predators are one of those teams too that you know, like um, you, you know, uh, Barry uh, Trotz comes on the other day and was they, they had the season ticket holder thing or whatever they had, and and he says to them, uh, he says people ask him about whether they're going to trade Saros and he said he didn't come out and say he wouldn't, which was which was really interesting. First of all, because he said, but only if we're you know if we're not in it. You know would i trade would i consider trading him? well they're in it but they're in it and they've won like seven in a row right they've won a bunch of games in a row here too so they're oh we than did
3: it. hear
1: dawson mercer's name creep out um yes. with sorrow's talks with the devils and like i can see why the devils wouldn't make that deal honestly
3: well he, 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 the funny thing is like if they trade Soros close to the deadline it's the close to, it's the closest example to and I don't think you know the, the the National Predators are going to go on and win win the Stanley Cup. But if you remember 1993, the Maple Leafs had Grant Fuhrer and then a young Felix Potvin as as his backup, and they knew Potvin was the the, the starter, and they traded Grant Fuhrer to Buffalo for Dave Andrechuk and a first round pick and the and- the truck acquisition helped them yeah. you know, get to within one game of the Stanley Cup right. final and they had a goaltender in Potvin who played for the most of the next decade. Right. Askrov is the Potvin in this scenario. Saros is a good goaltender. I you know just I don't know if you're going to get a Dawson Mercer out of New Jersey or you're going to get right, something that's the
1: difference in today's hockey. Back right. then teams were willing to do that. Now it takes a lot to develop a Dawson Mercer
2: exactly there's a lot of people there's a lot of people who don't believe that SARS can go ahead you have something sorry about that no 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 I was just oh just okay, so, no so I, I I agree with the um a lot of, there's a lot of talk about Cyrus being too small a lot of you know like around like you know he's not big small enough he's too small to win it in the Eastern Conference I think that's I crazy. Said he's too small but he's playing damn good yeah, I mean, he, he doesn't play and he doesn't play in a in a weak division you know in the, the central division there, there's not a lot of wimpy teams in that division it's not like you know that I, it, it's not like the Metro Division is the big bad Patrick Division. It, it's 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 really to me, it's kind of sorry. We didn't want to ask Pete one thing though because I did I did just put TANF, um, as my favorite now for the win to go to the Winnipeg Jets um, from talking to people today. Um, you know,
0: it wouldn't surprise me, but people. I'm curious what would be going back.
2: Yeah, me too. Um, well. You- I-
3: could, ahead, Cole, could Cole Perfetti be going back because I heard what, what was the talk was is that Perfetti is not playing getting a lot of minutes there and he's not exactly a favorite of the coach not not to say he's a bad player or he's doing anything wrong but that he's just not being utilized for being the the type of talent that he is
0: so that's an interesting thought because if you saw the comment from rick bonus he was pressed about perfetti the other day maybe yeah. yesterday and it came out he said well i'm trying to keep him in the lineup yeah is that a vote of confidence no. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, i can't recall the last time i heard a coach say only coaches
2: all his bonus would say something like that you know like he's like right? that really that to me it's like you know that's just that's that's nuts
0: you know i'd be surprised if they were going to give up on him that early. Mm-hmm. But that would mean then, and Russ, you could back this up, that probably any of the prospects that we've talked about in the past are off the table then.
3: McGroherty and... Yeah. Well, McGroherty's yeah, not I
1: going Although not having a good year, but I ran into him the other day, and, and yeah. I think that's just like circumstance. I, I think yeah. he, can, he can get back on track without us. Without a yeah, problem. but so. I think
0: we talked about Lucius. We talked about yeah. um, Lucius Lambert. might be the only
1: guy they're willing to part with because he's had an injury history. But yeah. you can see he can play, and I'd be shocked if they really would do that.
0: Yeah. Well, so,
1: <laughs> last
0: night, I had the fortune of sitting right behind the Jets bench. Nice. Beside the um, the runway, the tunnel. Yeah. I think anyone who writes about hockey should spend I couldn't a, game, agree anymore. a game there. Yep, I couldn't pay attention to the game because I was so fascinated by watching what was on the bench. Like It was blowing my mind the way the coaches moved in and out. You yeah. could hear little things. And what was super interesting was last night there was a fight between, I think, Shen and um, Lowry. Yep. Something yep. happened and Bones went, no, Adams lines up next. Next thing you know, Lowry's pounding, he and Shen are pounding each other. I didn't even see what triggered it. It was so fascinating the way they do things. But what was really interesting is, is, you know, Rick Bonus is thought of very highly with the Jets. I think they, a lot of the team thinks him as a bit of a a father figure type coach, he's very distant away from Perfetti. And so to, to that point. Mike, you bring that up, you know, he's reaching in, he's talking to guys. He didn't really do that with Perfetti much. And you know, you, you wonder like, cause I think if I'm correct, this is the end of Bones's contract yeah. and are they going to sign him again or not? And if they're going to keep him, and I don't see why they wouldn't, if he wants to stay,
2: well. Let me coach um,
0: then if Perfetti's not his guy and you're going to lock him in, like lock bones in for another. If he's taking another deal, it's probably going to be for three years.
3: You, and might become expendable. I
0: just don't know if they do it for a rental at TANF. Right. And, and, oh, and
1: you can't uh, trade Cole Perfetti
2: for that. That'll right. That, that's the point, Mike. But like, there's got to be something If you, I you I have, have of that. assurance that he would, that he would, that you know, you oh. could. If he was going to stay perhaps I mean, his, bro- his
3: brother played in winnipeg so i mean i'm sure he knows he knows what it would, be, it would be like to play in winnipeg but i agree you can't you can't trade a young asset for a guy that you don't know and this is this is my argument and what i wrote today in hockey for hockey buzz about like the players that toronto shouldn't trade for and one was walker who i i, I you know just don't think is the right fit and the second one was tanev and, the reason, and not for the reason that he's not a good defenseman, because he's a really good defenseman, and he would satisfy all the needs that Toronto was looking for. It's just you don't trade a first-round pick for a 34-year-old defenseman who's a rental if you think you can get that guy in the summer. And I think the Leafs are the leading candidate to get a Toronto native in Tanev as a free agent. You don't trade a first-round pick for a guy that you're going to get, you may get in the summer.
2: You we just talked don't about that, it. Mike, but you know, yesterday we talked about that where we're talking about on Monday, but the reality is, you know, like you can't also just throw away a season like this from us. I'm not
3: saying throwaway season. I'm not saying throw away a season,
2: but I'm you saying don't do everything you can. You
3: don't have, okay. You if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, you don't have any draft capital for the next two years if you trade their first round pick next year. You don't have a first and second next year, you don't have a first and second the following year. Yeah, it makes no sense. It makes, it makes no, no sense country, right? you, you i'm not saying don't trade for an Ilya labushkin or a third round pick or something for matt dumba you know th- those I, deals are, are 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 you know those work almost just as well you don't trade a first round pick for a guy that you might get in the summer you just don't I, do it
0: i think you just trade marner for peterson and vancouver's first
1: from-
2: <laughs> there you go <laughs> going uh, last thing i want to throw because we're running out of time and i really wanted to get kevin's opinion on this um a guy named for came for the first time today with um at least with the people i've been talking to and that was that was um adam larson out in seattle
4: yeah um, everybody likes him you know yeah Locker, tough you know good one-on-one defender yeah so but you know, I, have,
3: I have to ask that i have to ask this question kev why would ron francis trade him
4: he would he wouldn't he, yeah, he, he would, would have, he would. have to, it would have to be uh, an overwhelming uh offer mm-hmm. what's his contract status
2: I'll I'll look it up right now. I don't know. I figured it was something probably reasonably soon. It was ending because he's got
3: he's got another year at four million dollars.
2: One
4: more year at four. Yeah, I mean that's a real reasonable price for him. But I know a lot of teams love him, but they do. I don't. I just don't see them parting with him.
3: Well, they, they, they seem to be the the rumor de jour because like yeah. Will Will, Will Borgan is another name that has been talked about. He's got another year. I mean, there are teams out there that would rather give up a draft pick to get a player who's got term left, like Mario Ferraro in San Jose or Borgan in, in in Seattle, than give up the same amount for a rental. And I get that because then you have cost certainty. But you know, I just Seattle wants to be competitive. They want to make the playoffs next year. So. Yeah. A right-hand defenseman and Larson—you just don't give them up.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah all right. Okay. Well, that's all the time we have for today, folks. Um, really quick show as always. Um, we'll be back again on Friday. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. Enjoy your evening.